Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. I'm excited today about our brand new series. I hope that you are as well. And if not, hopefully uh, as we go through the message today, you'll get excited about it. I want to encourage you to invite some people uh, to come out to this series. Maybe you know some people that, that, that need to, you know, they have some issues going on and they, they, they need to hear about uh, some of the things we're going to talk about. Don't tell them, now come because you need this. Uh, don't do that, but you know who they are and invite them and just tell them it's going to be a really incredible time. I also want to challenge you to devote the next uh, six, seven weeks, however long we go with this, uh, uh, to being here every Sunday, because I believe there'll be something that will be beneficial to each and every one of you. No matter how young you are or how old you are, we can all use a little help uh, in the home. Amen? All right, let's look in the book of Luke this morning, chapter number 15, verse number 11. The Bible says, then he said, a certain man had two sons, say two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, I will go to my father, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Father, I just pray that you will take the the word of the Lord this morning, Father, 
God, anoint your word today. Anoint the message. Anoint the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray, Lord, that you will give us some things to say today. We've not planned to say. We've never said before ever in our ministry. Words that will resonate within the heart of those that are sitting on these seats right here in this room this morning. God, give us ears upon our heart. And God, give us a desire not just to be a hearer of your word, but God, to put into practice what we receive this morning. God, we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, I've already said that today we are beginning a brand new series I'm calling Home Improvement. And in this series, we're going to talk about the home. And we're going to talk about how to improve it. We're going to talk a little bit about marriage. We're going to talk a little bit about parenting. We're going to talk about in-laws and outlaws. Uh, We're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about how to make good decisions and so much more. Well, this morning, I simply want to lay a foundation for this series. As I was praying for God to lead me in this series. I've done a lot of teaching. I've done a lot of ministry about the family because... Quite honestly, that's what's on my heart. I love my family. And so I love to teach about it. I love to preach about it. And I've done a lot of teaching and preaching and ministering about the family uh, throughout the years. Done quite a bit of it around here. But as I was praying for God to lead me in this series, the Lord led me to a passage that I would never have ever thought about on my own. But as I started thinking outside the box about the story, and as God started showing me some things in this story, it became crystal clear to me just how relevant that this story is in today's world and in today's family. There are three things in this story that I want to call your attention to today as we begin our series on home improvement. And the first one is simply this. Not every family looks alike. Not every family looks alike. Now, everybody has a picture in their mind of how a family should be and what a family should look like. And this picture is based upon what we've seen in our own family. It's based upon what we've seen in somebody else's family. And some of this comes from Hollywood and and from the movies. And some of it comes from the storybooks that we've read. And some of it is true and some of it is fantasy. I want to take a minute this morning and talk about two very different kinds of families. First of all, let's talk about the dream family. The dream family. Now, now the dream family begins with once upon a time and ends with, and they lived happily ever after. The, the dream family begins with a, with a match made in heaven. Uh, one man married to one woman for life. Uh, the dream family has 2.5 children. 2.5 children who, who look like they just stepped out of a magazine and, and they act perfect all the time. I was thinking about that. Can, can you imagine what it would be like to be that 0.5 child? 
The dream family. The dream family has a husband and a wife, uh, has a husband and, and father that has a great career. Uh, he makes enough money to support the family so the, so the mother can be a stay-at-home mom. Not just a stay-at-home mom, but the perfect mom. The mom who cooks and cleans and takes care of the children and, and never has a hair out of place. She wakes up in the morning with her makeup already on. She, cho- she chauffeurs the kids to school, to soccer, oh, to ballet, to here, to there, to everywhere. And she does it with a smile on her face. And when her man comes home from work, he can smell dinner already on the table. And she finishes up his night by making passionate love to him. The dream family. Well, for you ladies, I probably just talked about the nightmare family. I love the story of the man and wife who went to the doctor. The the man was very ill, and they went to the doctor together. And and so they were being examined. He was being examined by the doctor. And so the doctor, after examining, said, Sir, I want you to to wait for your wife out in the the lobby. I want to talk to your wife all by herself. So the doctor got the wife all by himself, and and he said to the wife, he said, "Your, Your husband is very, 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 very ill. And so I'm going to tell you what you're going to have to do for him in order for him to live. You're going to have to cook him three hot meals every single day. You're going to have to to give him a foot massage every single day. You're going to have to have sex with him every single night. And if you don't do these three things for your husband, he's going to die. She went back out to where her husband was. Her husband said, what did the doctor say? What did the doctor say? She said, honey, he said you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. The dream family. But, but the second kind of family I want to talk about is I want to talk a little bit about the dysfunctional family. The dysfunctional family. Now, now the word dysfunctional simply means outside the parameters of the norm. That's what it says in the dictionary. Or, or in my words, it would be it, it, it doesn't function as it was designed. If something doesn't function as it was designed, then it is dysfunctional. Now, according to Scripture, God's design for the family is one man married to one woman who produced children, and they all serve God together and love one another. That is God's design for the family. So with this as the standard, would you agree with me that most families are dysfunctional today? Most families find themselves outside of these Parameters. I'm going to throw some statistics at you, and I just Googled them, so don't fight with me over the whatever. I just Googled them, and you can Google your own, all right? So don't, just leave me alone, all right? But uh, uh, some statistics, and I've, I've got two sheets full of them, but I just randomly selected a few to share. It says right here, it says, the majority of families have shifted from the original biologically bonded mother, father, and child. 
We are now a nation in which the majority of families are divorced. Most go on to remarry or form living together relationships. The U.S. Bureau of Census relates 1,300 new stepfamilies are forming every single day. Over 50% of U.S. families are remarried or recoupled. The average marriage in America today lasts seven years. One out of two marriages ends in divorce. 75% remarry. 66% of those living together or remarried break up when children are involved. 80% of remarried or recoupled partners with children both have careers. 50% of the 60 million children under the age of 13 are currently living with one biological parent and that parent's current partner. Only 45% of children do well after divorce. 41% are doing poorly, worried, underachieving, and often angry. 50% of the women and 30% of the men were still intensely angry with their former spouses. Divorced parents provide less time, less discipline, and are less sensitive to the children as they are caught up in their own divorce and its aftermath. Many parents are unable to separate their needs from the children's needs and often share too much of their personal life with their children, placing the children in a precarious emotional state, vulnerable to grandiosity or to depression within what is left of their families. I don't know about you, but after reading that, sounds to me like we need a sermon series on home improvement. Here's what's really interesting uh, to me. What's interesting is that the story that we read a moment ago, we usually call it the story of the prodigal son. But I believe that we could actually call this story the story of a dysfunctional family. I know you've never heard this before. I've never preached it before. But that's what the Lord led me to look at. And see, we, what we need to understand is there are, there, there are two ways to look at this story. Uh, we, can, we can spiritualize it, and we can make the Father God. We can do that, and we do that, and that's what most people do all the time. We can spiritualize it, or, or we can look at it through human eyes. And if we look through it through human eyes... And that's what I'm going to do today. That's what I want us to, to do is to look at this story, not, not spiritualizing it this morning, but look at it just on face value and just as the story Jesus told. So with, with, with that being said, notice, notice this story begins in verse number 11 by saying a certain man, say man, says a certain man had two sons. Well, well my question is, where's the woman? Where's the woman? Uh, where's the wife? Where is the mother in this story? How many know if a man has two sons, there was a woman there somewhere, sometime? Hello? So my, my first question this morning is, where's the woman? Where's, where's, where's the wife and the mother in this story? Now, we're not told, and it's a parable or a story that Jesus told, not an actual event that actually occurred. And because it is a parable, because it is a story that Jesus told, we are able and allowed some leeway in interpreting and using this message, this sermon, okay? All right? How many still with me this morning? 
Now, now listen, again, we're looking with natural eyes. The woman could be dead. Uh, she could be separated from the family by divorce. Uh, she could actually still be around, but not actually involved in the family. But for whatever reason, she is not mentioned and has no role to play in this uh, family's story. Based on the statistics that I read earlier and looking around with my own eyes, there seems to be far more dysfunctional families than dream families. How many would agree this morning? Now, perhaps it is a little bit offensive to you to think of your family as dysfunctional. But listen, the truth of the matter is every family could use some home improvement. We need to understand that there are no perfect homes, there are no perfect marriages, there are no perfect relationships. Three things I want to focus on today as we look at our scripture for today. And the first one is not every family looks alike. Second thing I want us to notice this morning, and that is simply this, and that is every family has issues. Every family has issues. Turn to your neighbor and say, your family has issues. Now, now some families have major issues. Some families have major issues and some have minor issues, but every family has issues. Even the family spoken about in Luke chapter 15. The Bible said that a, a father had two sons, two boys who came from the very same father, and yet they were as different as daylight and dark. This past week, uh, uh, or last week, I made a quick trip to Oklahoma, just an overnight trip to Oklahoma to see my mom and dad. Hadn't seen them in a while, hadn't been there in a while, and so I, I, I made a real quick trip down to Oklahoma to, to, to spend a little bit of time with mom and dad. And I, as I was talking to my father, he said to me just in passing, he said, he said, you know, he said, you know, son, he said, I have three sons. And he said, all three of you are totally different from the others. If you know my family and you know my brothers, you will understand that we are all three completely and totally different. Look in the Bible. Look in the Bible. Uh, that was the case with the twins, uh, Jacob and Esau. Uh, think about how different Joseph was from his brothers. Uh, think how different that Mary and Martha were. Let me ask you this morning, how, how about your kids? Think, think about how different and... How different each child is from, from the other in, in your own particular family. So see, just having a family made up of several different personality traits will cause issues. Every family has issues. Let, let, let's look at the issues in the family described in Luke chapter 15. First of all, let's look at the younger brother's issues. You'll find the younger brother's issues uh, in verses 12 through 16 that we read a moment ago. His first issue was, was he was impatient. See, it was not time for his inheritance. His, his father was still alive. He had absolutely no right to ask for his inheritance. But the younger son was impatient. He was ready to try his wings. He was ready to get out on his own. He was ready to try life outside of his father's rules. Now, although he thought he was ready, he soon discovered that he was not. He'd gotten just a little too big for his britches. Have you had that impatient child in your home? 
That that child that perhaps has older siblings who, who are allowed more privileges because they are older. And yet the younger child can't hardly stand to watch their older sibling get to do things that, that they are not allowed to do yet. Perhaps some of this was going on in this family in Luke 15. Perhaps the older brother had privileges. Perhaps he had responsibilities that the younger boy didn't have yet. Perhaps there was, and I'm assured that there was some, there was some sibling rivalry that was going on in this home. Perhaps the younger thought, I'll never, I'll never have any respect in this house or I'll never be looked upon with respect because, because that will always go to my older brother. Patience didn't seem to be one of the younger son's strengths. But not only was the younger son impatient, but he was also immoral. Verse number 20, big brother said of his little brother, he has wasted our father's money on prostitutes. No doubt little brother broke every single rule his father taught him. Have you experienced that in your house? Have you had that child that, that, that just has to, has to push everything to the limit? Do you have that child that, that you would just love to shake and scream, I taught you better than this? The younger brother had issues. He was impatient, he was immoral, and he was independent. He had that independent personality. You know, nobody could tell him anything. Being the baby of the family, he had something to prove. And prove it he would, at least he thought. Being the baby of my family, with three older siblings, I understand the product. I understand the prodigal. Although I, was, I wasn't uh, immoral, yet I was certainly impatient and I was certainly independent. Uh, leaving home and getting married at the age of 17, pastoring a church at the age of 17, no doubt I was impatient, no doubt I was independent, no doubt, no doubt I thought I had something I had to prove. This probably explains my competitive spirit. You see, every family, every, say every family, every family has issues. And if you think you don't, one of your issues is denial. <laughs> Let, let's take a quick look at the elder brother's issues. We see these in verses, verses 25 through 30 that we read a moment ago. First of all, we find that he was arrogant. He was an arrogant sucker. He bragged to his father about how much better of a son he was than his younger brother. He boasted of his faithfulness. He, he, he boasted of his reliability. Ah, you didn't see him trotting off with his father's money and wasting it on a party-hearty lifestyle. No, sir, he was the good son. He was the righteous son. He was the dependable son. Let me ask you this morning, does Mr. Goody Two-Shoes live at your house? 
You know, the one that points out all of the flaws in everyone else in the family, but, but, but sees none in himself. The elder brother had issues, but not only was he arrogant, he was also angry. Angry. He was ticked. He was ticked that his father had given his baby brother his inheritance early. He, he was ticked at his, at his little brother for what he did with the family money. He was ticked with his father for celebrating baby, baby brother's return instead of chastising him. Does this describe anyone in your family? The elder brother had issues. He was arrogant. He was angry. He was abrasive. Notice how he talks to his father. All these years I've been serving you. I've never stepped out of line even once. But you have never thrown a party for me. Yet when this immoral son of yours comes home, what do you do? You throw a party for him. You should be punishing him. Instead, you throw a party for him. Can you see the bitterness? Can you see the resentment? Can can, can you see the envy just oozing out of big brother? Anybody in your family like that? Big brother has issues. Every family has issues. Some have big issues. Some have small issues. Some issues are constant and some only show up every once in a while, but every family has issues, and every family can use a little home improvement. Three things I want to talk about today is we simply lay a foundation for our series on home improvement. The first one is not every family looks alike. The second one is every family has issues. The third one Imperfect families can still be effective. Somebody needs to hear this. Imperfect families can still be effective. Maybe your family resembles the dysfunctional family far more than it does the dream family. I've got good news for you this morning, and the good news is there's still hope for your family. You can experience home improvement. Even imperfect families can be effective. Now, even though the family in Luke 15 had its issues, the father in this story poured so much good into his two sons that the family survived its issues. That's good. You missed that, so I'm going to say it again. I said the father in this story poured so much good into his two sons that even though the family had issues, the family was able to survive their issues. I believe both sons proved the effectiveness of the father. And I'm going to show you what I mean. He showed the effectiveness, he showed his effectiveness, number one, because the younger brother returned home. The younger brother returned home. 
Yes, he left before he should have. Yes, he made a royal mess of his life before he came home. But the fact that he knew he could come back home speaks well of the Father. There are two things this young prodigal knew. Man, this is good. Number one, he knew the heart of his father. He knew the heart of his father. He he knew that his father loved him with an unconditional love. And he knew that he could never do anything bad enough to make his father stop loving him. Oh, somehow we must show our children unconditional love. We must show them that home is a safe place. And and this safe place is always available to them whenever they are in trouble. Not only did the younger son return home because he knew the father, the heart of his father, but also because he knew he would find help there. He knew he'd find help there. He said, the hired help is well taken care of by my father. My father is a man of integrity. My father is a man of compassion. Oh, he said to himself, I don't deserve to be taken back as a son, but I know, I know my father's heart, and I know my father, and I know that he will at least let me come back as a servant. And I know that the servants in my father's house have more than enough. way, somehow, oh, the father had instilled in that, little, in that son, in that younger son, he had instilled in him, oh, his unconditional love for him, and that he would always be there for him, and that he could always come back home whenever he got in trouble. Imperfect families can still be affected. We see it in both sons, the younger brother returning home, and we see it in the elder brother. The elder brother remained home. Elder brother remained home. Yes, big brother had as many issues as his little prodigal brother did, but there was enough good going on at home that big brother chose to remain home. I want to suggest two possible reasons why big brother chose to remain home. Perhaps he chose to remain home because he felt secure there. He felt secure there. Dad had a nice place. We always had plenty of food to eat. We always had a warm bed to sleep in. He felt secure there. Dad had a nice place. They, had, they, they, they were comfortable, all of their needs were met. There was security at dad's place. Let me, ask, let me ask you this this morning. Do your children feel secure in your home? Is your home a haven? I love my home. I love my home. I love it when that garage door goes up and my vehicle goes in, that garage door goes down, and I'm in there, and I'm safe in my place, knowing I'm going to be loved, taken care of. I try to leave the cares and the worries outside. I don't bat a thousand, but I, I, I got a pretty good batting average. I'm a man. I can compartmentalize. You women can't do that, but us men can. <laughs> now with cell phones and all that good stuff and all that, you know, we're working 24-7 anyway, but 
still my haven. Is your home a place of security? If your kids got in trouble, would they want to come back to your home or would that be the last place they want to go? And is that the root of their problem? That's not written down, so somebody need to hear that. He felt secure there, but he also felt satisfied there. I don't know, but perhaps Big Brother had similar likes and giftings that his father had. Perhaps the dream he had for his life was to someday take the place of his father. I'll never forget, 20 years ago or so, I hired my son as my youth pastor when we were pastoring in Midland, moving him into a nice, beautiful executive office that I'd built. I went in one day and I said, son, look around at this beautiful office. It was an executive office. It was a staff office. I said, did you know most pastors will pastor their whole ministry and never have an office this nice? I said, son, where in the world are you going to go from here? He said, right over there. And he pointed at my office. <laughs> and five years later, I was out and he was in. Maybe, maybe the older son in this story, maybe he had some of the same likes and giftings that his father had. And maybe it was his dream that one day, one day he would take over the role of his of his father, but for whatever reason, the father was able to instill enough of himself and enough of his values into the life of his oldest son to make him feel secure and satisfied, staying right there with him at home. Imperfect families can still be effective. All families have issues, but we can work through issues. Next week we're going to start getting really practical in our series about home improvement. Next Sunday we're going to, we're going to start talking about marriage. And let me tell you, this is going to be relevant to anybody who is married or has ever been married or ever will be married. So I'm saying this for everybody. If we can get some help back on the platform this morning, please. The takeaway for the message this morning is this. God designed the family to be a blessing. God designed the family to be a blessing. God made Adam, looked at him and said, I can do better than this. (laughs) And he did. Aren't you glad for the differences God made, guys? (laughs) God made man, and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. God made woman. And God said to man and woman, multiply. Have babies. God meant for the family to be a blessing. Unity in the family 
take work. Unity of the family. Take work. Because you see, the dream family doesn't exist. We're all dysfunctional families. Some are far more dysfunctional than others. Believe me, I know. But we all have our issues. But even though we all have our issues, through the help of our Lord, we can overcome those issues. Father, I thank you for this word this morning, Lord, that you have laid upon our hearts. Thank you for this series, God, that we just began to lay a foundation for this morning. God, I pray that it will whet the appetite of the people. They'll have a desire to come out and hear. Not what I have to say, but what your word has to say. And yes, I will be speaking with the voice of experience as well. 